0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices When you're an actor, you probably absolutely love some of the films that you've been in. But on the flip side, some projects that you've starred in, well, you might want to forget them as soon as possible. So let's take a look at them. As I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com, and these are 10 actors who hate one movie in their franchise. Number 10. Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince Now, you can't really blame former child actors for looking back upon some of their earlier movies and wincing a little bit, though at least in the case of Daniel Radcliffe, he was the star of one of the most successful Hollywood franchises and, say it with me kids, of all time, a.k.a. Harry Potter. While all eight movies in the series were critical and commercial successes, Radcliffe hates one film in the series in particular. Surprisingly enough, though, it's not the first or second movie where he was just still finding his footing playing Harry, but the sixth, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Radcliffe hates the film for one particular reason his own performance. He said, "...it was hard to watch a film like Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince because I'm just not very good in it. I hate it. My acting is very one-note, and I can see I got complacent and what I was trying to do just didn't come across." Despite Radcliffe's misgivings, Half-Blood Prince was ultimately one of the better-reviewed films in the series, and grossed a stonking $934 million worldwide. Number 9. Arnold Schwarzenegger – Terminator Salvation There's little denying that the Terminator franchise is a bit of an abject mess these days, though star Arnold Schwarzenegger has generally been pretty diplomatic about things, keeping his mouth shut about its less successful sequels, with the exception, that is, of the fourth film in the franchise, Terminator Salvation. Now, Salvation remains only one of the six Terminator films that Schwarzenegger didn't star in, due to his serving as Governor of California at the time, or should there be Governor of California. Instead, Arnie agreed to license his likeness to the production such that his T-800 character could make a brief cameo through CGI trickery, with Schwarzenegger's 1984 appearance being digitally drafted onto a stunt performer's body. The results were hugely divisive with the fan base, to say nothing of the entire film itself, which was largely deemed a missed opportunity by critics and fans alike. It remains the second worst-reviewed film of the series, behind its sequel, Terminator Giant Ice Ice, and the second lowest-grossing after the most recent sequel, Terminator Dark Fate. During a 2015 interview with Good Morning America to promote Giant Ice Ice, Arnie bluntly gave his opinion on salvation, saying it sucked. Number eight, Will Smith, Men in Black Two. Now, Will Smith has always been one to speak freely about his career failures. And as phenomenally successful as the Men in Black franchise has been, Smith basically agrees with most fans and critics that its second film fell far short of the mark. In an interview with Jimmy Fallon while promoting Bad Boys for Life, Smith discussed some of the less fruitful scenes in his cinematic past, speaking of cash grab sequels before turning his attention to the Men in Black series. He said, I had fumbled a couple of my last sequels. You know, I wasn't happy with the Men in Black sequel. While Smith doesn't explicitly name the sequel as Men in Black 2, it's clear he's referring to it, given that it's by far the worst-reviewed and lowest-grossing film of the original trilogy. Despite a troubled production, Men in Black 3 was conversely considered a return to form by fans and critics. Sadly, Smith didn't pass comment on 2019's pretty terrible soft reboot Men in Black International, which it's possible he just never bothered to watch. Number 7. Matt Damon – The Bourne Ultimatum In the case of Matt Damon and the Bourne franchise, there are a couple of obvious picks for entries that he might not be quite so fond of, namely the fourth film, which he didn't even star in, The Bourne Legacy, and the disappointingly mediocre fifth film, Jason Bourne, for which he returned to the fold. But shockingly enough, Damon has no love at all for what is by far the most critically commercially successful film in the franchise, The Bourne Ultimatum. Damon's misgivings with the film largely stem from the script, the first draft of which was written by Tony Gilroy, who penned the first four films in the series. Gilroy had creative conflicts on the first two movies, and was so frustrated by Paul Greengrass on the second film, who he felt stripped the nuance out of his script, that he only agreed to write Ultimatum if he could submit the script without any studio notes or ever having to interact with Greengrass. Damon mint no words at all when discussing the script that Gilroy had turned in. He said, It's really the studio's fault for putting themselves into that position. I don't blame Tony for taking a boatload of money and handing in what he handed in. It's just that it was unreadable. This is a career ender. I mean, I could put this thing up on eBay and it would be game over for this dude. It's terrible. It's really embarrassing. He was having a go, basically, and he took his money and left. Ultimately, some last-minute contributions helped whip the movie into shape, but Damon was clearly exasperated by the sequel's seat-of-the-pants production. Number 6. Bruce Willis Die Hard 2 if you ask most people what the worst Die Hard movie is, the vast majority of fans will say A Good Day to Die Hard, which was largely panned by critics. They certainly wouldn't cite Die Hard 2, which, whilst failing to live up to the original's greatness, is still a solidly entertaining sequel largely thanks to Bruce Willis's presence. But lo and behold, during a 2007 interview with Ain't It Cool News, Willis said that of the first four movies, he wasn't much fond of Die Hard 2 at all. He said, "...the second was my least favorite and the least fun, far too self-referentially precious. The story was all over the place and suffered from severe unclaustrophobicness. While it's difficult to imagine Willis having a fonder place in his heart for the fifth film, it's also fair to say that Willis stopped caring about his movies absolutely years ago. And to him, A Good Day to Die Hard was clearly just a soulless payday gig he probably couldn't even muster the effort to hate. It actually wouldn't be a surprise to anyone if he hadn't actually seen it, in all honesty. number 5. Sylvester Stallone, Rocky V Do you know what? It's actually frankly impressive that a boxing movie series has enjoyed such longevity and really only delivered one outright dud to date. But of course, when we're talking about Rocky, we're talking about the widely maligned Rocky V, which is both the worst-reviewed and lowest-grossing film in the franchise, with most feeling that the series had basically run its course while turning in a strangely depressing farewell to Sylvester Stallone's title character. But Stallone, who also wrote the film, hasn't ever shied away from taking the blame, freely admitting in an interview with The Sun that his primary motivation for making Rocky V was money and that it was a mistake. He said, I'm greedy. What can I tell you? It was a mistake because the audience didn't want to see the downside of the character. They wanted him to remain on top. I should have known that. I fell into a sense of self-parody. Whilst promoting the belated sixth film, Rocky Balboa, Stallone further piled on about Rocky V, saying, I was very negligent with Rocky V. It just didn't leave anyone with a sense of hope. Number 4. Christopher Reeve, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace While the general consensus is that both the third and fourth of Christopher Reeve's Superman movies weren't all that great, it's Superman 4, The Quest for Peace that has been the true punching bag for fans and critics ever since release. Despite Reeves having a fair amount of creative sway on the sequel, the film's budget was slashed during production to a pitiable $17 million, just a fraction of the original's $55 million, and poor test screenings resulted in almost 45 minutes of material being cut. So, of course, Reeves had a of distaste for the sequel. He wrote in his autobiography, Still Me, the less said about Superman 4, the better. And need you say more than that? Number three, Ralph Macchio, The Karate Kid Part 3. The Karate Kid franchise has been well and truly rejuvenated by the success of the TV revival series Cobra Kai, as it's fair to say that the iconic martial arts movie otherwise had pretty much run out of steam. While you might expect Ralph Macchio, who played the lead Daniel, to take a particular issue with either 1994's The Next Karate Kid, where Macchio was subbed out for Hilary Swank, or 2010's remake, he in fact has a real bone to pick with The Karate Kid Part 3. A major critical and commercial disappointment, Part 3 brought his original run as Daniel to an end, and in recent years he's spoken about his issues with the first. He said, Part 3 is not my favourite movie. All they did was make the first one all over again without any of the good stuff. And in a recent podcast interview, he went on to say, I just felt for the LaRusso character that he never went forward. It felt like we were redoing the first movie in a cartoon kind of sense without the heart and soul. But he's not the only one, as the director of the third movie called it a poor imitation of the first one and a horrible movie. While screenwriter Robert Mark Kamen said, The studio didn't want to mess with the franchise, and I felt very strongly that doing the same story over again was fing boring. Number two, Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop 3. As belated sequels go, Beverly Hills Cop 3 is surely one of the most embarrassing misfires ever made. Despite having a blatantly bloated 70 million dollars budget, almost double the combined price tag of the first two movies, the 3 was panned by critics and grossed less than half of its predecessor. In the lead up to its release, star Eddie Murphy typically put on a brave face and praised the film to the high heavens, promising that it was going to be infinitely better than Beverly Hills Cop 2. However, during a 2006 interview on Inside the Actors Studio, Murphy admitted that it was utterly a Atrocious, and when discussing the prospect of a fourth film in 2015, he again spoke about part three's failures. He said, Before a fourth film happens, they've got to get that script right. That movie has to be right. The third Beverly Hills Cop was garbage. And number one, David Cross Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwrecked. You won't find many people standing up to defend the live-action Alvin and the Chipmunk franchise. All four of the movies produced to date have both been critically reviled and yet had pretty solid commercial successes. Comedian David Cross appears in the first three films as Ian Hawke, serving as the initial antagonist before becoming a much more benevolent character in his final film, Chipwrecked. While Cross has always been upfront about the films being bill-paying roles, he has an over-the-odds disdain for the third film, which he publicly trashed just a few days before it was even released. He said, there was no reason for me to be there. All I wanted was to get the f*** out as soon as possible and buy a summer home with the check. This last film was literally, without question, the most unpleasant experience I've ever had in my professional life. It's safe to say that I won't be working with some of those people ever again. Not the actors. The director was great, we got along. There were a couple of people, though. It was really just an awful, unpleasant experience. But it turned out, though, in a recent interview with Justin Long, Cross also revealed that his comments resulted in him forfeiting $150,000 for violating a non- Disparagement clause, but to be honest, I think that it was worth it. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.